Tired of fighting your kids to make their bed? Say hello to Betty's. The unique design lets your kids make their bed with just a zip. Our patented bedding includes everything you need, a fitted sheet, top sheet, and comforter in one seamless piece that zips together. Kids love the feeling of accomplishment when they can make their bed by themselves every day. Make your mornings easier and visit Betty's.com. That's B-E-D-D-Y-S dot com. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Welcome to I Weigh with Jamila Jamil. This week, I am joined by the excellent Beth Sterling, who is kindly and graciously returning uh, to help me answer some of your questions. This is Ask Me Anything with Beth Sterling. Hello, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. It's so nice to see you. How have you been lately? Give it to Uh, me straight between the eyes, Beth. Oh, my body is sore. I've played... Five games, six field hockey games in the last several days. And why? I feel tired. Why, Beth? <laughs> why, why, I'm sure, why, I, I'm why, sure I join your muscles in saying why. There was a field hockey tournament called Cal Cup this weekend that my team mm-hmm. played in. So you have like a bunch of games all weekend. We're undefeated, uh, but we did not do well in the tournament because there were a lot of ties. But is, no one beat us. Is hockey quite aggressive? Um... Not really. It's not, field hockey is not like body checking and anything violent on purpose. Like sometimes there's run-ins right. and you definitely can get hurt by the ball and sticks. Right. Yeah. It was quite violent at my school, but mostly that was just towards me. So that might have been more of a personal thing. Possible. Mm. They That's were humbling. For you. It's humbling information. Um, and it other than your body, how is your how is your mind? Does your mind feel quite good after that much physical activity? Because I'm now. I've it's been... a nice time to um, not think about anything but the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a total. It's a total um, unplug from my brain because I'm not thinking about anything else but the game. I I don't even want to talk about it because what if I start thinking about other things during the game? Like it's the only time my body just is like, bye. Oh, it's and so I, amazing. It's, it's going your, so it's your fast. Form my of, brain is left on the sideline. It's your form of kind of, I mean, I keep being told to stop saying this, but I can't stop. Um, it's your form of meditation. Like I keep trying to convince people that when I'm cleaning the kitchen, because I feel completely mindless, uh, I'm meditating. And everyone has reassured me that that is not the case. But I think, I don't know. Why do people. they reassure you that's not the case? Yeah. Cause, cause I clean um, for control. Mm-hmm. Sometimes like if, if a guy would leave my house and I don't mean like after some sort of messy sexcapade, I just mean 
anytime a man was in my space, I, I sometimes would clean for hours, especially if it was a particularly <laughs> unhealthy relationship. <laughs> it's like my version of wash that man right out of my hair. Yeah, it's an exorcism, isn't it, really? Yeah. 100%. I, I need to clean compulsively however late a night ends when people have been over at my house because the 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 mental health impact on for me if I wake up to a dirty kitchen is or living room is is disastrous. I'm going to be a cunt for 24 hours. So to protect everyone, I am um, I clean all night. Anyway, I am um I'm very happy I that you're all night. Yeah, exactly. I'm very happy that you're here because I find you to be very wise and you've also lived through quite a lot at such a young age. And I, from what I hear from our mutual friends, you were a sobering, like, voice of wisdom. You're the voice in people's head when they know they're making a bad decision, they do it anyway. And uh, <laughs> the only thing that brings them pause <laughs> is wondering what you're going to say about it. And so, therefore, <laughs> you are ideal. Do you enjoy giving advice? Do you feel like you are that figure in lots of people's lives? You know, I'm happy to be a good listener, sounding board. I definitely sometimes, I've been, I think lately I should say I'm more open to the idea of, of, of it's not just my way or the highway. I mean, I'm never going to like, I always think I'm right when I'm giving you advice. It doesn't mean that I, I think mean, you're going to do so. it. I mean, one would hope so. One would hope. Yeah. It doesn't mean just... I think you're going to do it or I'll be yeah. mad at you. I'm working on that, you know? Yeah. Like I can say, this is what I think. And you're going to do it anyway. I mean, like, I want to, I, I still want to be the friend that's like, sure, tell me how things are going with your partner. And I'm going to tell you to leave them, but you can tell me that the next time you get back together with them, like you shouldn't be the one, you should never hide it from me that you're doing the thing I told you not to. hundred percent. I feel the same way. And also like, I feel like you're in your twenties, you still have hope and optimism that someone's actually going to follow the advice. And I think by your thirties, you realize that we're all just a bunch of assholes, which is people who <laughs> seek advice and then don't use it. And, and yeah. once you come to accept that you yourself are an asshole, uh, then you, uh, I don't know, I think you become more gracious towards others. But um, for anyone who hasn't heard that term before, it is an asshole and it is a very helpful way of contextualizing certain people in your life and therefore liberating yourself from the responsibility uh, of seeing them through on the advice. And also, it's, we might you know, be wrong. It, it, it is, it's, yes, but it's also a little, to me, it's also, asshole can have a bit of a negative connotation in a good way for you. Meaning if you have someone who's constantly asking you for advice and you are pouring your everything into them, but they're just a cylinder and not a cup, mm -hmm. then you have to decide whether you would like to continue responding to their asks because they might 100%. be an ask hole, an empty bottomless pit. And mm -hmm. it's like, that means you need a therapist. Um, just to talk because I don't need to keep pouring my actual genuine care into you when you are a bottomless pit. A hundred percent. And note taken because your face got really serious just then. So as, as we <laughs> to be honest continue with you, I in our budding friendship, anybody, note I wasn't picturing taken. anybody. <laughs> okay. <laughs> in, in fact, I could have even been picturing myself. Like, you know, you never want to drain anybody. But what should I do? And you know the answer or you know exactly what you're going to do anyway. Yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. We're all, we have to learn via our mistakes. Um, I just don't want to be the friend that didn't say anything when I could so that they're ever like, why don't you fucking say anything? that's smart. That's it. I'm really doing it for my own sake. It's for insurance purposes. Yeah, that's and you'd it. be surprised how many people say, well, why didn't you say anything? And yeah. my response in the past, especially to a loved one, a family member would be, 
I couldn't imagine that you didn't see what I was seeing. Mm-hmm. But they didn't, I guess. Not a helpful answer, Beth. No. Not a, not a helpful way to say that. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> but I do see where you're coming from. So we've been given some um, some quite personal messages from people and they would like a bit of our solidarity and support. So are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, I'm going to hit you with a really infuriating one first. <laughs> I've only skim read it and I was already angry. So I'm just going to go in. Okay, so this person says, I'm getting married this July. I'm so excited, but I'm finding myself getting stressed and not enjoying the wedding planning as much because I'm feeling immense pressure to lose weight before the big day. When we got engaged, one of the first things my boyfriend's mum asked me was, are you planning to lose weight? It's gotten to a point where I wake up in the middle of the night with night sweats and anxiety where I'm scared I won't enjoy my wedding as much as I fear I will not be at the weight everyone is expecting me to be at. I want to be able to enjoy this day to the fullest, but how can I make sure I don't let losing weight overshadow the excitement that comes with getting married? Well, first of all, um, I'll reach out to you privately. And if you need me to um, go and fight your mother-in-law, just let me know. Um, Beth does field hockey, so I feel like we could... (laughs) I've got a couple extra sticks. (laughs) And I I was thinking she might be hungry, uh, hungry for... For a couple balls to the face. My good God, Jesus Christ, for that to be the first thing you say when someone's kind of joining your family, for that to ever be something that you say ever full stop. But I mean, right. how how much it makes someone feel like it's been on the tip of your tongue. I mean, first of all, have you considered not getting married? <laughs> <laughs> no, Beth. Okay, no. okay. That's just, I just wanted to throw that out there. Um, look, this is a tough one. I'm just sort of like, she should have never said that to you. She shouldn't be commenting on your weight or your body. And of course, I'm so sad. We need to come up with some ways for you to still enjoy your wedding and have you let go of this. Yeah, because I can't I can't stress enough to you that what's happened to you is someone has just projectile vomited their own neurosis about their body or their body image ideals all over you. It's really yeah. got nothing to do with you personally. And for someone to be so honestly deranged about body image that they feel compelled to say something so inappropriate and weird, so deeply weird to someone that they are supposed to love, someone who's the love of their son's life. Right. Then you're dealing with someone who's, I I feel fairly free to say, quite unhinged. Because I've honestly not, it takes a lot to shock me these days. You know, I've been in Hollywood for 14 years. I really, I've seen, I've seen stuff and I was stunned by that message. Stunned and appalled. I you know. I mean, are, I am you, too. you have found love with someone who married you at the weight that you are. Someone who loves you exactly as you are, who didn't love you on some sort of contingency as to who you are going to become. He looked at you as you are, probably naked, and thought, that's who I would like to see naked for the rest of my life. You are not, I hope, planning on fucking your mother-in-law so she can just go and fuck off frankly. <laughs> yeah, they have a couple of these things that they tend to say at weddings, like in sickness and in health and good and bad or whatever the other things are in fat and thin. They should add that right in there. Mm-hmm. But it's one of those things where, you know, it doesn't matter. Wear the dress so it fits your body and you're comfortable and can breathe. The, the most important thing is that something I really can't stress to you enough is that I've had plenty of friends get married in the last like eight years. I don't know if you can relate to this, Beth, but like the amount of my friends who starved themselves 
for their wedding to the point where they are weak. Like, thank God the wedding march is so slow because that's about as fast as they can walk by the time they get down that aisle. And they feel neurotic. The the disordered eating mentality and the body dysmorphia is almost worse for all the frantic starvation that you've just put yourself through. You are tired. You are cranky. You don't get to enjoy those pivotal days leading up to what's supposed to be one of the most special occasions of your life. Like you're spending all this fucking money on it. All the people that you love are going to be in that room, including the person you love and the most in the world. None of those people, anyone who genuinely loves you, gives a shit about anything other than the fact that you are happy and you deserve to enjoy that day like get your fucking money's worth and don't sit there stressing out and by the way for all the people who crash diet for their wedding it only comes back and more by the end of the fucking honeymoon because your body's like in like starvation death mode so it's just no point don't put yourself through that don't fuck around with your metabolism and mostly don't fuck around with your mental health someone chose to marry you exactly as you are you just go on and enjoy the day and i think don't invite the mother-in-law yeah, I'm just sort of like, gosh, it's, I, part of me, my mind goes like, oh, did you talk to your husband about it? Did you and it's like, the truth is, all you can control is your own peace. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you've planned the wedding to the best of your ability, you're excited. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, of course, you take other people's ideas or things into consideration, especially if they're funding certain things and whatnot. But when it comes to you, that's all you can control and as long as you feel like you've made a sound decision in who you're marrying and it's not a mistake, because mm -hmm. it's never too late to back out of that. But as long as you feel good about that, like I'm very anti-marriage, so sorry, I think you picked up on that. But mm -hmm. as long as this is really what you want to do, then all you can control is that you're comfortable, that you feel good, that you like what you see in the mirror. And you should, you know, like it's, be yeah, comfy it's, in your dress and be It's not proud. a pageant. Yeah, it's not a pageant. It gets treated. It's like the wedding industry is already so fucked. And then on top of that, they've turned it into this sort of infuriating pageantry where you feel as though you have to, like, you've already paid for everyone's dinner. If I've paid right. for people to eat, <laughs> that's, that's their lot. I'm not giving them anything more than that. I'm not no, giving no, them sin. I want you to t accidentally forget the mother-in-law's meal and be like, well, I uh, think that's know, I wasn't going to starve myself. Oh, so give I her a green juice. Uh, but I think yeah. you also, if I were you, and look, listen, not everyone's as combative as I am, but I would send that mother a bouquet of flowers with a note on it that says, please, no, I do not plan on losing any weight for this wedding. And please do not ever discuss my body with me ever again. And then put Amy your name and a kiss. Because she won't really be able to say you've been horrible to her because it's such a reasonable thing to say. She'll tell everyone trying to complain about you and everyone will think that that was a deeply reasonable and fair thing to say. It'll be quite horrified by her and she might learn a lesson. And so might anyone else who was thinking about having a little comment about your weight. No one has a... I can't believe in 2023 this is still the conditioning as if <sighs> as if the the photographs are supposed to show anything other than the greatest of joy. Like the amount of times I have not, I've like thrown away old holiday photographs because I had like the big upper arm, you know, in my twenties. Oh and I'm so sad I don't have pictures of those photo. memories. Yeah. You'll look back at any photo at any time two weeks from now and go, wow, what was I thinking? I look mm -hmm. great. That's so stupid. I just and want also, you to have a good I time. happy and I want you to look happy. I want you to feel happy. And I really would like you to politely tell your mother-in-law. I want her to trip. I hope she trips down the aisle. I mean, I have evil plans. It just makes me want to be like, are you planning on losing weight, Deborah, or whatever her name is? Yeah. You know, it's just sort of like, 
I, but I know that's not the right thing to say. No, I guess sometimes the, naming, at the end of the day, like, we it, hate her. We hate her. Yes. I, I just want you to be prepared to answer things in the future if she says anything. I just want to come up with comebacks for you. Like, you know, mm. do you plan on losing any weight? I don't know. Do you? Or do you, th- like, just naming it, are you telling me you think I need to lose weight? And then say, because I don't feel like I do. They're from, really a different, they're from a different, they're from a different, yeah, they're from a different generation. They're from a generation that really, like, where women were really taught that that was... Just say she looks cold. We had to show everyone how, um, how we deserve the love that we have. We have to, we had to prove to everyone that, like, look, I'm worth it. It's like, you're really fucking worth it. You've got a ring on your finger. Oh, it just doesn't matter. It's so, fr- yeah, fr- so frustrating. Just, as long as I, you're happy. I bet you look great. I I hope that you can maybe even access some EMDR. That's eye movement desensitization reprocessing therapy. You need about one or two sessions to get this fucking woman's voice out of your head. Just it's only been in there a while. Get it out. Go and reverse the mentality that she has given you. Get some fucking sleep. Otherwise, you will actually look like shit on your wedding day if you're exhausted Hydrate. from the night sweats. Hydrate and and live your fucking life. Eat on your wedding day. Enjoy the cake, enjoy your marriage, and please, please, please do not let the words and fears of a clearly terrified person impact your own peace. Ugh, maddening, isn't it? Maddening. I'm not getting married. I, I can't be bothered I, with the stress. Well, I never am getting married for sure. No, no I'm never doing I'm never it. doing that. I mean, you could just save so much money and go on a fun trip together, whatever, I don't know. Or just buy whatever you want. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now listen, we all carry around different stresses, big, small, medium size, and a lot of us keep them bottled up because sometimes we just have to. But doing that all of the time can really, really start to negatively impact your life. And I say that from experience. I'm British. We are told to never say how we're feeling about anything ever. And uh, that's why so many of us are so sad. Now, a way that I was able to remedy that was by having therapy, which was super helpful for me, not only because it's amazing to get things off your chest, but also all week you know as you're bottling things up because it's not always the time or place to say exactly how you feel you know you're going to get that hour where you're able to get everything off your chest and say it exactly as you want to and this therapist isn't going to take it personally and they're not going to hold it against you or throw it back in your face during an argument over dinner next week you just have this complete freedom honestly I think everyone should have therapy regardless of whether they think they need it because it's so amazing to have a confidant it's a journal that talks back to you and helps you with all of your problems. I think therapy is just a safe space to get everything off your chest to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And if you're thinking of starting therapy, then maybe you should give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be super convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. All you have to do is fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you can switch therapists if you don't like them anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash iWay today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iWay. Save big money on everything for your spring projects at Menards. We have all of your garden and landscaping essentials. Master Garden Premium Garden Soil contains a slow-release fertilizer that feeds gardens for up to nine months. It produces better results and is ready to use for all your gardening needs. Save big on Menards' great selection of garden and landscaping products. Compare brands in-store or online at Menards.com. Save big money at Menards. Hi, it's Martha Stewart. 
You know, I spend a lot of time thinking about dirt. At 3 a.m.? At all hours of the day, really. What people don't know is that not all dirt is the same. You need dirt with the right kind of nutrients. New miracle Grow organic raised bed and garden soil is so dense, so full of nutrient-rich, high-quality ingredients. miracle Grow is simply the best. Someone said, question for you, how do you get over exercise anxiety? I know exercise and movement is good for my mental health, but I have so much anxiety around it because of so long it was tied to losing weight. I struggle with moving my body in a fun way and not letting my mind ruin it. Have you ever had a weird like relationship with exercise? Because field yeah, hockey sounds say... extremely healthy as a way to... As a way to mm-hmm. But that's just something I found that I it. love. You know, yeah. to me, it's the carrot in front of the horse or whatever that is, the little mm-hmm. thing that's moving around the the horse track. I, I feel like it, it's, it's more of a trick for myself in the sense that I just love the game and sure mm-hmm. I have like competitive edge to me, but it's nothing like I'm not, I don't need needed to like get out rage or anything. It's just like the game, like there are rules and I can follow them and I love order. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm out of breath and sweating and I wish I ran more outside of field hockey because that would help me have a better game. But because I don't like exercising, I don't. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it's like, it's totally normal to not want to go to the gym and not want to exercise. Even during the pandemic, we had all the time. Most people had a lot of extra time and it was like, I I couldn't even get myself sometimes to go outside. So those things are very real. um, I completed Uber Eats. That's what I did. That was my super (laughs) skill. My super skill was trying absolutely everything that was gluten-free on the whole of uh, Postmates. Especially if if you feel like it's something you should do, then you put it off. It's annoying. It's like, oh, it's on my to-do list. I should meditate. I should stretch. So there's no like good answer other than I think it would be fun if you can explore either was there a sport from your childhood that you loved and can you find an adult league near you? That's one. And if you say, oh, I'm really unathletic, it's like, Okay. Is there a time where you've been moving your body that you do remember loving? And was that, you know, dancing alone to some music in the morning, even if just for five minutes or was it swimming or? Well, I, I, for the last month, I, for the last month have been starting this kind of move for your mind movement, uh, where I'm trying to get people to do between five and 15 minutes of exercise every single day. And it can just be going for a walk, it can be running around in circles with your dogs. It can be, uh, tickle fighting. It can be shagging. Highly recommend shagging as a way to pump those endorphins. Um, uh, running up and down a few flights of stairs for five minutes. All of these things just to, I've really like put my heart and soul into understanding exactly what happens to my brain when I exercise. I exercise in super baggy clothes because I really think all the attire that we have been given to exercise in is just, it feels like the 80s again. It's fucking ridiculous. It's just it's so focused on giving you neurosis about your body. Uh, I exercise in baggy clothes. I have a sugary snack at the beginning as a deliberate fuck you to the old relationship I had with with uh, weight loss where, I mean, I would walk on a treadmill when I was 16 up until exactly 384 calories because that's how many calories were in a magnum almond at the time. And I have that number ingrained in my head. And so I always look to exercise only as a way to cancel it out. Now I will eat sugar before the exercise, during the exercise. I will either go and do it with a friend. I will listen to music. I will listen to podcasts. I will, I'm doing everything I can to figure out what I, where I 
have done it and I haven't even noticed the time going by. The idea that no pain is no gain is absolute horseshit. You just have to really focus only on, you know, write down what your mood is before you do it and what your mood is afterwards. Learn how to really motivate yourself because fucking hell, like exercising for a long, for something like abs or a nice ass takes years sometimes, years. And I no, I don't know about, I don't know who is into delayed gratification, but it's no one I've ever met. Whereas you get the instant dopamine and endorphins from exercising. And so just do it for that. I, I did notice on the meditation app, which I make myself do sometimes, but I'm not mm. good at keeping up with it. They have the check-in thing. And I was like, what is this? You know, and it's like, how do you feel? And then afterwards it's like, how do you feel now? And I'm always like <laughs> mad that I feel better. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm like, oh, shut up. You were right. I, I know. I'm annoyed. But yeah, I think it's true. You will probably feel better. I just think that definitely doesn't have to be in a gym. I think, you know, you don't have to be going to a gym or anything like that. And there's lots of free apps and fun videos online. I mean, I bet if you even searched it on YouTube, maybe something fun would come up. Like, I hate exercising. What do I do? I like buying really, I used to love buying cheesy old exercise DVDs. Like, I think one of the more humiliating moments of my life was um, I was having like a full on, like actual, actual nervous breakdown when I was 26. And I bought myself the, um, (laughs) oh God, it was the Pussycat Dolls's workout dvd <laughs> and um you have to have a feather feather boa and you have to do it in heels and i was oh there my in my God. nervous breakdown food covered pajamas just like picture me uh like food all over my like pancake batter all over my face and in my hair yeah. but with heels and a feather boa on alone in my bedroom slapping my own ass uh and like with the blinds open and in england everyone can see into your window because our houses are right opposite each other and just God knows what that even looked like. A woman who hasn't bathed in several months with a feather boa and heels on <laughs> in her Snoopy pajamas, uh, trying anything to not kill herself. Um, but you know, it was um it didn't actually help. I'd say it made me feel worse uh watching them. Um I would also seek out instructors who look like you. It really does make a massive difference because it switches off that like yeah. weird I'm I am other. I am different. How do I assimilate? It gives you a feeling yeah, there's of all like, kinds oh, of people I just am who as have I am. great movement videos. I have friends that teach yoga online and stuff. Yeah. Um, Jessamine Stanley is an amazing yoga instructor and she is a very curvaceous black woman uh, and she can stand on her fucking head. And every time she does, it seems to really upset people because they can't. And then they insist that there's something wrong with her health, even though she's much more flexible and healthy than they are. Anyway. <laughs> okay. So someone wrote in, Last week, I had a hard time and ended up cheating on my boyfriend. No excuse for it, but I've come out of it realising that I had undiagnosed depression. I also have OCD and body image issues, and I'm honestly nervous about being alone for the first time in a long time. Do you have any advice for single young women? How can I begin to heal myself and find fulfilment alone, even though I'm young? I'm still so nervous I won't find someone who's right for me, or otherwise won't figure out how to heal and will hurt another partner. First of all, gotta say, he's unbelievably self-aware messages yeah like everyone no one's coming at us just with a symptom everyone's coming at us with a cause what did you say and so did i write these and i'm just kidding yeah (laughs) i think uh, that first of all that was very loaded uh Mm -hmm. it was good to have the backstory but there was a lot in there um that we're looking looking for for a a bit of a path um it sounds like yeah well we discovered the result of the cheating the relationship ended 
Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, how do I heal ver- versus just jump into something and hurt someone else? Mm-hmm. I've never cheated on, I've never cheated on anyone, but I've definitely had terrible habits from old relationships that I've continued to, um, for example, being a massive fucking doormat and allowing really toxic behavior that I go in. And because I've got this weird like martyr complex or hero complex or something, I just feel like, no, that's fine. You can just take all of my resources. Um, so I can relate definitely to participating in a terrible pattern. Can you? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I, I was going to say the other answer is just keep doing it until you're a stump. Um, <laughs> I mean, the very, very sort of self-pitying place to be in, but yeah, I feel very, um, I'm in a place of like, I'm a stump. And so like, what I have nothing. You, what are you saying give. right now? Like the giving tree stump. Um, I've literally poured my everything into people who didn't ask for that. And now I have nothing left to give. I have no choice but to try to just regrow a couple sprouts on my own. But I'm mm-hmm. currently a stump. So you can wait until you become a stump and you have no other options because you can't have nothing to give anybody, um, which is not ideal, but you you still might do it. Yeah, sometimes I have had to, it's not, it's not. <laughs> I'm just saying. You I have, wouldn't say you it's have, terrible if advice. If you don't make what a change, is, you have a stump to look forward yeah, to. Yeah, what it is is realistic advice, right? Is that a lot of us do tend to keep doing something until we've hit complete rock bottom. And it sounds to me a little bit like this person has, which is why they're reaching out. Like, I think- it is immensely painful, the realisation that you have hurt someone that you cared about and it can be full of guilt and shame and humiliation. Uh, and while I know we always do understandably demonise the person who cheats, it's also it also can be a very, um, a very painful thing because it's all, not always done from like a place of evil. You know, from what I pick up from this message, it sounds like it's also partially from a place of low self-esteem or low self-regulation and that's not trying to go out of one's way to excuse anything or whatever but I think it just sounds like you're in pain you know you're in pain and you don't want to go into another relationship in pain I think that's very healthy this idea that someone else is going to complete you is such a fucking dangerous disaster from mine and Beth's like era of teenage years you know that's that's what everything was taught is that like someone's got a problem then and another person, the right person will come along and fix it. And this idea that every relationship has to have a garden and a gardener. Bollocks. Two halves make a whole. Bollocks. Yeah, I mean, you're supposed to be your own hula hoop, hula hooping, having fun. Mm-hmm. And then you don't jump into someone else's hula hoop because then you guys can't even hula hoop anymore. You just <laughs> hula hoop next to each other. And sometimes your hula hoops cross each other's path. Yeah. And sometimes when the hula hoop is snoring... The mm-hmm. other one takes their hula hoop, hula hoop to a different right bedroom. The room. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. Upstairs. But <laughs> obviously the, the answer is, of course, be happy on your own. Be happy, safe in self, happy in self, all these things. And the negative way of looking at that is like, oh, when you're least, when you're happy is when the right person comes in or love happens when you least expect it. It's like, what am I supposed to appear, you know, be just looking aloof at all times? You know, it's just the the annoying answer is like just be happy on your own <laughs> it is it's also these all these things you've talked about depression body image issues and ocd these are these are complicated they're complex things to unpack and they're not done overnight i think it's i think you should try your best not to panic because how you're feeling now is not how you are always going to feel let's like set aside the fear of being alone 
we do know that many people have uh, significantly overcome things like body image issues and depression and there's sort of mixed results with certain OCD, but some people are able to control their symptoms and just focus on those because you'll never feel lonelier than when you're in the wrong relationship. It's so much lonelier than when you are trying to build a relationship with yourself and with your body. So take a year, take two years out, block it out as I'm not going to go on the apps. I'm not going to try and immediately jump into another relationship. I'm not going to identify my self-worth with being partnered up with someone. I'm going to fix my fucking self. I'm going to fall in love with myself as as that sounds. Um, It is the most surefire way to make sure that you don't jump into another pattern. Because sometimes when we have low self-esteem or depression, we go into relationships that bring out the worst of us. And we do that deliberately so we can externalize our own self-loathing. We give ourselves a reason to feel self-loathing. Yeah, I mean, there's been literal times in my life where I'm like, I'm unhappy. I have anxiety. I'm not coming. And I feel bad about orgasming. Myself. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's like, why are you with this person? And the answer is, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it's sort of just like, that's why you don't want to be stuck in a pattern of getting into something you don't even want to be in in the first place. And we talked about this earlier, but it's like, you also don't have to demonize someone to break up with them. It's okay. It's enough to just be like, this isn't working for me, but thank you for your time. And it's on them how they handle it. It doesn't have to be like, this person's so terrible and I got to get out and, you know, or I have to cheat to get out. There's no other reason you need than the time is not right or this isn't working for me, but I appreciate your time. And that's the hardest part is maybe being alone or, or maybe you did want to be alone and you're ready for it. And that's one reason you potentially cheated. I don't know. I've definitely, um, in my 20s, I would do a thing where I would basically start to sort of set somebody else up, like emotionally cheat. Oh yeah, I did that. And find the next person that I was going to move to. To jump ship. Yeah. I call it Tarzan dating. Like before I let go of this dick, I'm swinging <laughs> to the next. That's great. Tarzan <laughs> dating is fucked. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So don't try not to wallow in too much shame over what's happened. What's done is done and cannot be undone. And that's okay. And you're not made of pure evil. And it's great that you recognize that there's a reason for all of this. Now go after those reasons. Look after your fucking self. Put the the dating thing on the back burner. And and I have all the faith in the world that you will not end up alone and that you will find someone. It's just going to be so much easier once you've gotten your house in order. And there's also all kinds of cool people that are single and plan to be for the rest of their lives. Oh, I mean, 100%. I, if James and I don't work out, I'm just going to be alone happily forever. I'm going to grow a fucking beard and I'm going to live alone in a flat Same. with my dogs, with if like 15 dogs. Out, I'm going to stay single as well. <laughs> in protest and mm-hmm. in solidarity. That's mm-hmm. healthy. That sounds like a good idea, <laughs> Beth. <laughs> but I loved being alone. It's... Uh, <laughs> I've built a quite a healthy relationship with myself where like, obviously I know that I'm an annoying twat, but I like me. And so (laughs) that's been kind of great because then it doesn't, I don't need anyone else to. And if someone does want to have sex with me and they make me laugh, then great. And if not, that's fucking fine because I can just always hang out with me. (laughs) And there's sex toys. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Here you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw, I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom, instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. Someone has asked, I did the work and finally celebrate my body for what it lets me do. How do I empower a friend in loving theirs too? Now, I chose this question to ask you just because we're both in an industry. Obviously, like comedy can be slightly different in certain ways, but I feel as though there is still a a pressure, a kind of subliminal pressure on people to look a certain way, Um, especially women standing on a stage. And we're also in this fucking industry where we're surrounded by people with with rippling uh, body image issues. Do you have any advice as to things that you say or things that you do to be able to help empower other people? Mm. I mean, I used to notice myself sometimes when I was with other female friends, I would eat more (laughs) and faster (laughs) almost to be like, it's okay. See, I'm doing it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not saying that's, that's certainly something that's not healthy. It's just definitely it's not, it's not. Oh no, it's great. Well, no, but it's, but, but it's, 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 it's great not and ideal. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like it, it ever made me sick or, or anything like that. It's just an interesting thing that I noticed, which was like, I was being like the, look, it's not poison. Yum, yum, yum. Um, whenever I felt like maybe somebody was not enjoying themselves or not enjoying the food, but I guess it's like the best thing you can do is obviously lead by example. Um, and also just stop with the comments, right? The reason I like what you're doing is because it's the opposite of someone verbally out loud terrorizing themselves over what to eat because they're, you know, they're like, oh God, this is so many calories or, oh no, that's too fattening or, oh no, if I have that chocolate. I mean, if I had a fucking dollar for every time I've heard a woman of truly any age, almost especially over the age of 30 of, well, if I have that dessert, I'm going to have to run 20 miles tomorrow. Uh, so, so just the absence, because every time I would hear that, I would suddenly feel an instant jolt of like, oh shit, should I be eating dessert? And it was, uh, it doesn't matter how much I intellectually understand, uh, diet culture and eating disorders and, and, you know, shame-free eating. It's like a knee jerk thing. When you hear someone say, oh, I shouldn't do this. You think, well, shit, should I? It's very hard to have immediate conviction in your own decision. And when I would hear my mum's friends like tearing their bodies to pieces, bodies that were the same or smaller than mine, it would fuck me in the head. It still happens with friends now. And yeah, I've stopped commenting on the way that people look. I've stopped commenting on my own weight as much as possible. I have stopped. uh, And whenever I catch myself slip into it, I just kind of stop immediately. And I'm very, very keen on encouraging women to enjoy their food when I'm around. 
And so I do think that leading by example is really important because you have no idea the ways that you can accidentally trigger someone's like worst internal monologue. Yeah, I feel very lucky that I, I don't really talk about any of this stuff with any of the women in my life. I, I'm mm. surrounded by people who just sort of, I don't know, we're, we're able to go out to eat and order whatever we want and I don't judge them. And I've noticed, of course, sometimes there are people who have different eating habits than me and I can make the, I can I notice it in my head and say, oh, mm-hmm. I wonder if that's because they feel a certain way about themselves or whatever, you know? And I, I just, I just do my own thing. I mean, I've done that even just with stand up, where I was always like, all I can do control is what I'm doing. And if I can just be a good example mm-hmm. and, you know, not lay it on thick or anything, but just order what I feel like and say it tastes delicious. And that was a really good meal. Yeah. I guess it just came for me with age, I suppose. I'm just yeah. able to sort of like, eat until I'm I'm full and and then yeah I mean I, I usually I've literally only found dessert. that in the last few years because I yeah I think super same for anorexic me. for for many many decades um what I would just give as empowering advice to your friends is one way you can empower someone is just by constantly talking about the shit that's amazing about them that has nothing to do with their body um I just constantly bigging up how funny or how smart or how great they are how much you love them constantly putting that that feeling of like building up the stuff that matters so much more than the bullshit that the magazines focus on because they want your money and they want you to be miserable because when you're miserable, you buy more. So constantly feeding the brain with positive affirmation about things that actually matter is really helpful. And second of all, the advice that I always give to people is just this body is going to be with you forever. It's going to be with you for the rest of your life. It is your car It is your engine. It's going to take you out three nights in a row until five o'clock in the morning. It's going to get over STDs with you. It's going to protect you from a pandemic. It just got you out of a pandemic. Going to save your life more than you can even really comprehend. It's working while you're sleeping overnight to heal anything that's not working properly. It's constantly figuring out how to help you help it. It is your ride or die. You will never have a better friend or a, a bigger ally than your body. And so you have to, you have to advocate for it the way you would advocate for any best friend. If you want this friend to be with you, to be its best, you have to treat it well. You have to feed it properly. You have to pour good gasoline in that engine. Like it's, it's, I've, I very much so learned how to separate my body and sort of personify it as different from me, as separate from me so that I can think about like how it must've felt when I said all that terrible shit about it right in front of it. <laughs> all those years of like grabbing at my fat and then wishing I could cut it all off and just picking myself apart in front of the mirror. Like I'd never do that to someone. Who, I, I don't have a friend that supports me a millionth as much as my body does, that has forgiven me for as much as my body has forgiven me. And in doing so, it's helped me actually build a relationship because I never knew what the fuck anyone was talking about. It was like, you've got to build a better relationship with your body. Um, and maybe this doesn't make sense either. But for me, turning my body into its own separate character named Steve. No, you don't have to name it. <laughs> but has made me like want to protect Steve, you know? Because he's doing his best. It's, it's really like, it's become like a Disney movie now between me and my body where I just want to look after it. It's my Tamagotchi. And I have been abusing my Tamagotchi for most of my life. My poor fucking Tamagotchi, Steve. Um, and so that's just some, maybe some helpful advice that you could give. 
to yeah, a I loved think one. friends can say damaging things to each other. And it sounds like when you said you did the work, it means that you're not going to be one of those people. You know, whether it's, oh, you look so good. Did you lose weight? You know, those classic comments. Mm-hmm. I've had things said to me that really rub me the wrong way. Or I, I've even had times truly when I'm playing field hockey on and off season where you look this or, you know, you look amazing. Did you lose weight? And I'm tell- I, I promise you, I'm like, I, 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 I go, I don't know. Cause the answer is, I don't know. And, and you so don't want to fucking way- think about it. Yeah. It I, I makes don't you feel like someone's monitoring it. you all the time. Well, yeah, I, I've had, I've had, I've walked into the, yeah, it's happened at the comedy store. I don't even know a couple months ago, but it was like, oh my gosh, did you lose weight? I was just, I was baffled because I, to be honest with you, my response was like, oh, sometimes I guess I just don't maybe dress to accentuate my body because I'm on stage and I want people to to not look at it. And two, I really didn't notice like, oh, I've been playing hockey more. And that's the way I answer it because it bothers me that comment just as much as I've had friends in the past say like almost in a jealous or angry way, like, God, you're so thin, something like this, which by the way, I've, I've never been a stick. So it's just one of those things when people say, when friends who you, you know, maybe just don't know any better, either say that negative thing, like, God, you're so this, or, oh my God, you look amazing. I guess there's also ways, which it sounds like you've done the work, but me, I don't think about it maybe as much. I'm not as educated, but my way of dealing with it, I just go, oh, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just been playing hockey more. Yeah. Someone wrote in, speaking of comedy, um, someone wrote in uh, asking how they, as a young woman, should go about getting into comedy. And I've never asked you how you got into it. Oh, well, if it was stand up, I mean, again, this is like me asking Betty White how she got her first agent. You know, she probably <laughs> like drew herself and sent it in as a caricature by, by snail mail. <laughs> um, I went to an open mic that was made that was meant for musicians on my college campus and a bunch of my friends came to support me. So it was like musician, musician, me doing stand up comedy for the first time mm-hmm. and another musician, musician. So it kind of made it very fun for me. And then I wasn't like up against other, you know, there were even, you know, less women interested in stand-up comedy in, in Ohio. There's a way to like sort of make it a safe space for you to try it for the first time. And for me, that was that. I brought a bunch of friends and things will ebb and flow, but, you know, ideally you you usually case the joint. You find a open mic and see, is this a place I want to try it? You know, you watch other people, you kind of build up your confidence. You say, oh, I can do that, you know. And then bring supporters to make you feel good. And eventually you won't have any new material and you'll want your friends to stop coming to watch you. Yeah. Um, There was a neurologist who was on this podcast who was talking to me about the fact that there is immense, like she's very anti-manifesting. She doesn't think that's a thing, but she said there is immense like scientific evidence to prove that it has an impact on your confidence to... Uh, imagine yourself in a scenario, like get as much information as possible about that scenario and then imagine yourself doing really well. And it's not because you're about to manifest something. So let's take an example of you go to that comedy store and you watch an open mic and you watch other people do it. So now you have an idea of what the the room looks like. Huh? I just yeah. would not go to the comedy store, but yeah. No, that's quite intimidating. Um, yeah, find, uh, an, find, an, like find a, a small, small open, mic. open mic and have a rough idea of the venue and how, roughly how many people tend to come, where the bar is, what it would look like from your vantage point and imagine yourself having a really great time and doing really well and feeling really good. And this is not because then you're going to manifest that because 
I'm I'm not sure if that's bollocks or not yet. I'm like the the jury is still out as to whether that's real. Um, but what it does is, you know, your brain is built to predict and protect. And so all it's doing all the time is it's distracted, waiting for and looking for like the next surprise. Because it wants to protect you from the trauma of that. Of, sorry, it wants to tra- protect you from trauma by scanning constantly for, su- for surprise. So that's the thing that makes you feel on edge and it's the thing that makes you feel stressed. And what you find when you imagine yourself like vividly in the scenario and you've actually been able to picture the room is that your brain goes, oh, I've seen this before. Okay, I've seen this before. I know what this looks like. So I'm not going to be peak on edge. And it massively helps your confidence and it helps your brain kind of reset the anxiety it would have gone in with had you just done it raw dog style and I did that for my she-hulk audition and it's the only good audition I've ever done and I keep forgetting to do it (laughs) ever since yeah I mean I I don't know about (laughs) I don't know about woman woman manifesting but I visualization is real it's been proven to work especially for athletes but I think it's like it is good to, to case the joint check it out get comfortable with the space picture yourself up there picture yourself having fun and bring friends that mm-hmm. will be maybe the only people laughing mm-hmm. and maybe not. I mean, everybody always says, Oh, the first time you bomb, I didn't bomb for a long time because my friends were waiting for me to do stand up comedy for years and they loved coming to see me do open mics. So it's like, that was very wonderful for me because it gave me such positive experiences early in stand up. Took me a long time before I, I felt the, old harshness. And what happens if you don't have a positive experience the first few times or if you don't have friends who are around who are going to come with right. you? What do you if, suggest then? I mean, it's a very out-of-body experience for most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sure it's a person-by-person. Person. I can only speak for myself. But I would recommend um, recording your set. So use your voice memo because you will potentially remember it differently than it went. And that can be for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes I'm like, you know, back in the day, I would be, I would almost be in awe of people who bombed and bombed and bombed and mm-hmm. kept coming back. And in so many ways, I would say, do they not see what I'm seeing? Like, do they just not get it? And sure, there are very people who are oblivious. Yes. And then there are also people who just don't want to give up. And, and that is stand a, up ultimately. That is an, yeah. It's a, it's a, a test of endurance. I was envious. I mean, in some ways, I'd love to be that oblivious. But um, also, stand-up is, um, is the definition of insanity. You know, it's, I've, I've done the same thing to different results so many times. There's no making any sense of it. But, but it can be really you know, great when, it, when it's something that starts to yeah. feel really good. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it can be such a good feeling for sure. And also, I, by the way, it's also fine to not go with your friends. Sometimes I like, I prefer to take a risk in front of strangers who I'm never going to see again. I still don't really let any of my friends come to anything that I do. I'm quite psychotic about it. Like I never let James come to anything that I do. Hmm. I I mean, um, I think there's two different types of people, right? That's like, uh can accept someone holding your hair back while you barf and other people who are like, don't look at me. Yeah. (laughs) Look away. It's a very vulnerable moment. 100%. Um, Lastly, someone wrote in saying, apart from EMDR therapy, because they know that I bring it up every single fucking time I do this, Mm Uh, which isn't available to everyone, 100%. What other methods have you found useful in leaving behind or working through past trauma? I mean, you haven't really got any past trauma, have you, Beth? <laughs> I would say somatic therapy probably saved my life. What's that? Um, 
You know, the way I, I imagine it's different because I've only been with one somatic therapist that I found and, and stuck with. But I guess if I had to summarize it in a sense, I would say, you know, with talk therapy, we can talk about things all day. But until you sort of get it out of your body, then there's no maybe there's more of a chance of recovering from it and moving on, I suppose. In my particular case, it would be finding where I might be holding that particular pain or traumatic event in my body. Like if I think about it, where does it come from? Is it my heart? Is it my throat? Where I wasn't like, I couldn't speak up for myself. And there's like a, you know, a literal cinching or a gripping of what would feel like a hand over your throat. And when I think of it, that's where it, where it comes from. And my somatic therapist would take me to that painful place, but be with me and hold it with me and talk me through it and walk me through the experience again. But with my sort of, with her and also essentially sort of, I guess, with my higher self and then release it. And sometimes that looks different for people. Sometimes people barf, sometimes you cough, sometimes your body shakes a little and it's sort of moving it out of. I feel like I need that because I'm a very detached person, like a scary disassociated person. And so I always feel like I'm watching everything from above or more accurately below from hell from my own private hell. Um, so I, uh, most of my life, I've never felt like I'm in my body at all. And that means that I've probably stored, because, you know, I don't have an emotional response to most of the the things that I've seen or gone through. I just sort of, I used to push it down with food. And then I think I learned how to push it down even without food. I would literally like push it down with food. I would, I would overeat until I couldn't breathe just to like, get the feeling to move down away from my brain. But I think after a while I learned how to do that even without food or drink. I think I learned how to just bury it somewhere. And I think that's probably why I get kidney stones and all kinds of shit. Not to say that those things aren't also just, you know, biology. But um, but this is a form of like, yeah, it's a form of kind of physics, all of this that's going on. And and I've heard amazing things about somatic healing and I think that's a really interesting shout that people don't really talk about enough I highly recommend everyone looking it up um a lot of people are moving on from that because sometimes sometimes you were really little when something happened and you don't remember it but your body does or sometimes you've blocked it out I know I have certain things are just too painful to remember so I don't really I couldn't really talk therapy out I couldn't EMDR it I had to Mm. just figure out where my pain was coming from um in a body sense so I might trouble you for that person's number afterwards and then other ways of things like well yeah speaking speaking to friends speaking to free online group therapy tech services all these kind of things uh, exist and are accessible and I think mostly taking time if you have any out of your week even if it's just one day a week even if it's just four hours one day a week to just do something that is just for you to sit with yourself, to journal, to to do something kind for yourself that maybe you were missing before. Uh, really spending time with yourself, starting to really unpack all of this stuff and, and give yourself the love that has been missing to get you to that point of desperation. Um, knowing that this is a, it is a marathon, it's not a sprint. Not punishing yourself for not getting better fast enough is very, very important. Oh and gosh, just, it's, yeah, it's the easiest thing in the world to avoid helping yourself. A hundred percent. And so really dedicate, like, go, like look this stuff up, make a plan, take hours out of your week that are just for you, for no one else. Start unpacking. What are my bad habits? What could be making me happier in my life? And 
really start to make a list of all the things that make you unhappy and start to extract them one by one by one, not all at the same time, just microaggressions, Mm -hmm. microaggressions of the great cull. Start culling things that make you feel bad. (laughs) I think inner child work is also, and can be really helpful and powerful, especially if it was something from you don't remember or earlier age. Was that like hypnosis? No, it can just be something you do actually with yourself every morning, like five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night. You sort of picture yourself at whatever age it was, maybe where you felt unsafe and just know that where you are now is that you're an adult and you can control it. And that was in the past. And now you can look out for yourself, you you know, like basically this idea of like, I've got us now because I'm an adult. I know that was scary, but I'm not going to let that happen again because I take care of us. So you have that way of picturing yourself as a kid who you would never hurt. You know, you would never want to hurt a little child. So by imagining yourself as a little kid, whether it was during a time where you were hurt or not, um, it can allow you to be a little more compassionate with yourself. So yeah, like checking in with your inner child and, you know, looking out for yourself in that way can be really powerful as a daily exercise as well. So speaking of exercise, actual exercise is amazing when it comes to trauma sometimes because again not Mm -hmm. going to the gym but doing some sort of I really just find honestly walking walking is my favorite thing to do in the world is my favorite way to move my body it's my favorite way to work out problems but mostly it also gives me such a sense of freedom and autonomy and so you know after I had my proper big nervous breakdown the big one the pussycat dolls era (laughs) breakdown Mm -hmm. um I it was two and a half years before I learned about any kind of therapy I just kind of had to survive the suicide attempt on my own um, and pick my way out of it. And walking and walking and walking really, really changed the way that I felt. Walking to really high vibration, happy music. It just gave me a sense of like, I'm in control of my shit because part of the thing with trauma is it kind of leaves you with this hangover of an absence of self-control. It's like something happened to me. And I was not able to stop that thing. I was unable to escape that thing. And now that thing has left a mark. And it's about reminding yourself, no, I'm moving through this. I'm in control. I'm deciding where I'm going to go right now, how fast I'm going to go, what I'm going to listen to. Really exercise moments of of, of ultimate self-determination uh, and something as simple and basic as and free, we love free, as walking is yeah. um, is one of those things. And, and another free program, obviously it's not any, it has to be a multi, like, you know, if you read a book like The Body Keeps the Score or something, people find the most recovery and multiple approaches to healing, you know, diet. And I don't mean limiting. I mean like what you're putting in your body, I should say, mm-hmm. um, like certain types of foods that are more healing. Um, Staying like away from depression, exercise, like talk alcohol. therapy. Yeah. yeah. And then of course, like there are also free um, group meetings, 12 step meetings, um, that again, that have helped me, um, like Al-Anon in particular, where I v- was very much in the world of like black and white and good and bad. And if I've messed up, I'm bad, bad, bad. And so for me, um, it's been great because it's less about m- this perfectionism that I put on myself. Like even during this podcast, I'll have had said stuff that people didn't like, or maybe I wasn't even like, Maybe I didn't even like 
what I said because I'm recording my voice and that makes me already feel weird. And uh oh, it's being recorded and it's not, I can't do anything about it. And it's already out of my mouth, you know? So it's sort of like, but I'm not perfect. So these types of meetings are also like, yes, there's like sometimes a higher power involved. It doesn't mean there's no religious affiliate. It doesn't have to mean that you believe in God. And it's basically take what works for you and leave the rest. And that should be like, to me, that has been really helpful. Is there also a sense of community in Al-Anon because oh, other people definitely. are in it with you? Yeah. yeah, for sure. There's community, there's support. There's just coming as you are and being heard. And um, so, yeah, I just think it can help you shed some of that perfectionism, feeling a sense of community yeah. and taking what works for you and leaving the rest. Also slightly controversially, because who am I if I don't try and get myself in trouble and then drag other people like you down with me, Beth? Um, yeah. But I do mm-hmm. also think, uh, and I say this from a place only of personal experience, but I am also having a mental health expert on to talk to me about this soon, which is that, you know, this kind of like explosion of pathology, right, that's happened where there's a lot of self-diagnosis and a lot of diagnosis and a lot of terms for every different type of personality uh, or behaviour. Mm-hmm. Um I think that that can in some ways be incredibly helpful and good and interesting and help us to unpack, you know, certain patterns of ours. But I also think that we have to split the difference, right? So it's like, I'm traumatized. I have CPTSD or I have PTSD, that's post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, or I have this, or I have, um, I have general anxiety disorder. I have this, that, and the other. I think it's important to be able to name it, but I also think it's important to not allow yourself to be fully labeled by it. And I think that I grew up in a generation that was more extreme when it came to not being a quote unquote victim of anything. And then this next generation, uh, because they have so much info on all of these different conditions and the internet's updated and there's so much discussion now in the way there wasn't when I was younger about um, mental health. I feel as though sometimes people can fall into a trap of, well, I have this issue or I have trauma or PTSD, so therefore I will never get better I'm just a traumatized person and now I'm stuck in this. And it's very important to make sure that you grab some empowerment somewhere in there and be like, I'm still standing. I'm, I might have been wounded, but I'm not forever scarred. Mm-hmm. And that these things are, you know, like pressure cuts the diamond. You know, this is unfortunately a little bit of stress and a little bit of harm and a little bit of trauma. It's how we learn. It's how we grow. It's how we learn how to empathize with others. And so it's important to try to not fear these things too much. So it's okay, but it's something that you shouldn't necessarily fully label yourself with. And I've kind of gone in and out of that and realized that my sweet spot is going, okay, yes, this terrible thing happened to me and it's left a few unhealthy habits for me and a few fears that aren't mine that I've inherited from this other person or this other thing. And now I'm going to work on it and I'm going to get better and I'm going to move through this and I'm not that person forever and I'm not damaged goods. Yeah. I think that's something that's sometimes in this generation very hard to grasp. Yeah. And I also just think the work is not really done. You know, you you don't just, it's not, I can do this when I'm cured or I, once I figure this out or once I get this amount of money or these things, then I'll be happy. It's like, well, that's been proven many, many times not to be true. It's just about like, you you can do is look out for yourself and find peace. Our generation was, we're not victims, we're survivors. And then, and I'm not talking about specifically sexual assault, but, and then the next generation was, we're not survivors, we're victims and we're going to own the fact that someone did something or something terrible happened to us. I think let's just split the difference somewhere between the two because neither one is totally helpful. And so 
I hope that's helpful to anyone out there listening, that you are more in control than maybe you think you are, especially if you're spending a lot of time on the internet, that you can move through this. Yeah. You're just never a finished piece. It's a work in progress. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, oh, I figured it out and now I don't go to therapy anymore. It's just like, you might ebb and flow with it, but it's definitely. Well, we're never done. Otherwise, what's the point? What's the point in any of this shit? Hey, what we doing? There have been times where I thought I figured it out and I was like, oh, uh oh. Yeah, before. Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. I'm a shell. Well, you're a lovely shell. And uh, one that I have very much enjoyed spending time with for this past hour. Thank you for bringing your thoughts and experience to my lovely listeners. Thank you to everyone who wrote in with your questions. Um, you are all wonderful and you're all intelligent people. I've loved these messages. And I'm sorry that you're all going through this shit. And again, I'd just like to reiterate to the first person who wrote in. Um, if you want me and Beth to go and start some shit with your mother-in-law, you just say the word, all right? I'll be Say the word, all right? (laughs) Thanks, Beth. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. I Weigh with Jamila Jamil is produced and researched by myself, Jamila Jamil, Aaron Finnegan, and Kimmy Gregory. It is edited by Andrew Carson, and the beautiful music you are hearing now is made by my boyfriend, James Blake. If you haven't already, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. It's a great way to show your support. We also have a bonus series exclusively on Stitcher Premium called Ask Jamila Anything. Check it out. You can get a free month of Stitcher Premium by going to stitcher.com forward slash premium and using the promo code IWAY. Lastly, over at iWay, we would love to hear from you and share what you weigh at the end of this podcast. You can leave us a voicemail at 1-818-660-5543 or email us what you weigh at iwaypodcast at gmail.com. And now... We would love to pass the mic to one of our fabulous listeners. Hi there, my name is Isabella and I'm 22 and I weigh my good relationship with my parents, um, my parents' sense of humor, and then my sense of humor, my ability to make people laugh, um, being an empath and wanting to dedicate my life to helping others. I weigh my health my ability to menstruate, and I know I complain about it a lot, but it's something that I'm really proud of because then I'm able to have a baby when I get older. Um, and I weigh all my good friendships, my friends that make me laugh, that make me feel happy and comfortable and safe. Um, and I weigh myself, my good attitude and my ability and willingness to seek out things that will help me and make me a better person. I right, love you. Bye. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley, in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.